today we are uh, in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Getting back to the basics. Back to the basics. Acts chapter 1. Verses 1 through verses 8. Hallelujah. So our assignment and our, uh, our focus of, of our church here, Raymond Word of Life Fellowship Church, is we're getting back to the basics. Amen. And I read an interesting article, and, and it said that the top reason that people left their previous church because the church was not helping them to develop spiritually. That tells me that we need to get back to the basics then. But when I read that 40%, 40% of children will live with their mom and her boyfriend before they turn 16. That tells me that we need to get back to the basics. Or when I read that church attendance is at an all-time low, that tells me that we need to get back to the basics. Hallelujah. We're going to get back to the basics, declare God's word, and win people to Jesus. Organization is a wonderful thing. Being organized is a wonderful thing. I think we all should be organized in the things that we do. We in the church should be organized. Hallelujah. But the question that comes to mind is, even in that organization, are we helping people meet Jesus? Very simple question. And I'm going to deal with that just a little bit here in just a few minutes. This church exist for the same reason that the early church existed, to help people meet Jesus, people of God. And if what we're doing isn't helping people meet Jesus, then it's really time for us to change what we're doing. So let us look here in the book of Acts chapter 1 as we learn uh, what it means and what it takes for us to be able to get back uh, to the basics here and to continue in our assignment. God wants us, people of God, as a church, he wants us moving fast. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's what Dr. Luke, uh, uh, he addresses, he's the writer of this uh, book of Acts, and, and he tells us what's involved in our getting back to the basics, people of God. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 through verse 8, the former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. 
Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said unto them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8. But... You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So people of God, and now we see that the book of Acts picks up where the gospel of Luke ends. And in Luke's gospel, Luke, Dr. Luke records the things that Jesus did before his ascension from this earth back into heaven. So in this book of Acts, Luke records the things that Jesus continued doing after his ascension with the birth of his church. I was talking to somebody and, 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 and they once said to me that the church is so subnormal that it should become normal. It would be considered abnormal. Mm. But God wants us, people of God, he wants us as a church, this body of baptized believers set in this portion of the vineyard, Rhema Word of Life Fellowship Church, to be abnormal in this community in which we live and normal according to the book of Acts. So how can you be abnormal and yet be normal? Well, all things are possible if you believe, people of God. So what was the focus of this early church? And what should our focus be? What should our objective be? What should our mindset be as we get back to the basics, people of God? Here's a point for you. Well, the priority of the resurrection should be a focus for us. Because after Jesus was crucified, after Jesus arose from the dead, the Bible tells us that he spent 40 days convincing those disciples, those people who were near to him, those people who had spent time with him on this earth, that he was really yet alive. Yes. Now, I would really call that 40 days of purpose, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh -huh. Now, the odd thing was that the enemies remembered what he had said about his resurrection. They remembered that. That's why Pilate had that tomb sealed. But it could took some very hard convincing and some conjoling to those disciples that he had co ultimately come up out of the grave. Yeah. This is not an Easter message. It just sounds like we're going that way. But as we look here in verse 3, it says, He also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs. Yeah. You said, well, what are these infallible proofs, Pastor? Well, there were several infallible proofs. Number one is what they saw. That's what it tells us right here in verse 3. It says that by seeing, being seen by them during 40 days. Now, the Bible is very explicit when you look at the timeline, when you look at those things that the Bible predicted, those things that it prophesied about, those things that happened, those things that are happening now, and things that are yet to come. But the Bible records 10 appearances during this 40 days, and five of them happened the same day he arose from the grave. In John chapter 20, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. We remember that. 
And in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus appeared to the women. And then in Luke chapter 22, 24, excuse me, he appeared to two men who were walking on the road to Emmaus. And in Luke chapter 24, Jesus appeared unto Simon Peter. And I'm moving a little faster. And in Luke chapter 24, Jesus appeared to the ten apostles. And then the Bible tells us that after the first day, he appeared to the 11 apostles as recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Mark 16 tells us of his appearing to seven disciples as he was there by the Sea of Galilee. And he also appeared to over 500 people as recorded also there in that first chapter, in that first book of Corinthians chapter 15. He even appeared to his half-brother, James, also there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And when we read now in his ascension, here in the first book of Acts. So why are all these appearances, why were they necessary? Because Jesus wanted to make it perfectly clear to all of his disciples, to them, to us now, and for those to come in the future that he was yet alive, people of God. No wonder they were so on, on fire about preaching the resurrection. No wonder they proclaimed the resurrection. It was a priority because Jesus made his resurrection a priority. He was the living Savior. Now when we read in, in, in history, when, when we study other religions, Mohammed was alive, but he's dead. Confucius is dead, uh, uh, Buddha died and is dead, Martin Luther and Abraham Lincoln and even Lenin, they're all dead, none of them alive. But when you come to the tomb of Jesus, hallelujah, we hear the glorious message in Matthew chapter 28 verse 6, he is not here for he is risen as he said. Glory be to God and not, an, not a resurrection morning message, this is not an Easter message. But not only did Jesus prove that he was alive by what they saw, but also by what he said. Somebody whom we knew and loved very well, he always said, look, I can show you better than I can tell you. Well, some folk, not only do they need to be told, but they need to be shown. And some folks, not only do they need to be shown, but they also need to be told. So right back here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, he talked with them. He ate with those disciples. They needed encouragement just like we need encouragement from time to time. And perhaps you're one of those social people and sociable people and, and perhaps you have close friends and, and people that you go out to lunch or dinner with and you meet with them from time to time, communicate with, and I'm sure that you encourage one another when you need encouraging. You share out of the word of God. You tell each other that you love each other, that you appreciate them. Well, Jesus was wont to do that. And he encouraged them. And now they knew that Jesus was alive by what they saw and by what he said. And now, having been convinced that Jesus was yet alive, yes. hallelujah, yes. those disciples, they were fired up. Everybody say, fired up. Fired up. 
They were fired up and on fire about sharing and telling the good news of the gospel. They couldn't wait to tell the world that Jesus was alive. Do you know what the church needs today, people of God? We need a resurrection reminder. Glory be to God. And I thank God for a resurrection reality. But we need a resurrection reminder from time to time, people of God, letting us know that Jesus is yet alive. So with this resurrection reality in their heart, these disciples, those called out ones, those chosen ones, they went out to turn the world upside down with the good news, which really meant that they went out to turn the world right side up. Because it was upside down already to begin with. So getting back to the basics for us people of God, that involves our focus once again on the resurrection of Jesus. I read a story and it, it, it talks about a traveler that stopped at the gas station to buy gas. And he, and he asked the gas station attendant if there was a place to eat nearby. And the attendant said, nope. There was only a cafe down the road that closed at 6 o'clock p.m. So this traveler, this motorist, then asked what people did in this small town for excitement. And the gas station attendant said, Mr., around this town, people don't get excited around here. Well, the early church was an excited group of people because Jesus was alive. And when that reality, people of God, becomes a part of your reality... You too will get excited for Jesus. You'll get on fire for Jesus. You'll be so fired up about sharing the good news of the gospel with everybody you come in contact with. In fact, hallelujah, we ought to be known as a fellowship of excitement because Jesus is alive and he lives within all of us. Does he not, people of God? That's what getting involved in getting back to the basics means. So number one, there was the priority of the resurrection. And number two, there was the promise of the Father. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So Jesus said to them, wait for the promise of the Father. So people of God, what God wants to accomplish through us is going to require more than programs and personalities and pep talks. It's going to require Power with a capital P, a capital O, a capital W, a capital E, and a capital R. Underlined, underscored, italicized, bolded, and every other kind of thing. It's going to require Holy Ghost power. Because we will never accomplish much for the kingdom of God in our own power. We need his power. Holy Ghost power. So let me ask you something then this morning, people of God. Do you think that Jesus would command and commission his church to turn their communities right side up without giving us the power and the plan to do it? I don't think so. 
behind every command of God is the power of God to fulfill that command. I got to say that again to you, people of God. Behind every command of God is the power of God to fulfill that command. So then what was this promise of the Father? So let's look in John chapter 14, verses 16 and verses 17. And this is what Jesus said. He said, and I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now watch this. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now these, 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 these disciples, they were, they were excited and they were thrilled because emotions were running at an all-time high because they had seen the resurrected Jesus. But that time of enthusiasm never lasts, people of God. Mm. Yes, it was sincere. But that moment, that time, that space of silence, uh, uh, it had no, no uh, of excitement, it had no, no staying power. Right. And for them to complete their task, their assignment, the, the objectives that Jesus had laid out for them, he told them that they were to evangelize their communities and the world, that they were going to need some staying power and some saving power. In other words, people of God, they needed the Spirit of God on the inside of them, just like we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We have Holy Ghost power living on the inside. Yes, they needed the promise of the Holy Spirit within them. They needed the presence of the Holy Spirit within them. But they also needed the power of the Holy Ghost within them in order to make a mighty impact for the kingdom of God. Heretofore, they had done so, so much with so little, and the church today does so little with so much. Sad but true. The difference is, they were serving and, 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 and living through Holy Ghost power. We do it in our own strength rather than in the Holy Ghost strength. We serve the Lord in our strength rather than in his strength. One of the things that I learned down throughout the years is that I could accomplish some things serving the Lord in the flesh, but that I could never accomplish great things until I served the Lord in his strength and until I was filled with his spirit. Yes. Paul says something very interesting here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit, people of God, is a daily event. It's not just a one-time thing. You just didn't fill up your car one time with gas. You go back and fill it up periodically when the tank gets low. Because dare say you certainly would not want to run out of gas on your travels. We don't want to run out of gas and run out of energy when it comes to serving the Lord. 
So we need a daily time of confession, a daily time of praying, a daily time of cleansing, a daily time of commitment of saying, God, fill me with more of your Holy Spirit. Control me through your Holy Spirit, God. Control my mind, Lord. Control my actions, Lord. Control my choices, Lord. Control my attitudes, Lord. Lord, controls my mind, Lord. Do anything and everything that you want to do. Through me and for me, Lord Jesus. So we have the priority of the resurrection. We have the promise of the Father. But here in verses 6 through verses 8, he says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, Again, it is not for you to know the times or the season." which the Father has put in his own authority. But ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So then they wanted to know when Jesus was going to set them free from Roman rule. But he said in verse 7, he said, it's not for you to know that right now. And then he goes on again to tell them, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Jesus didn't call them to be lawyers to argue the gospel before men. He called them to be witnesses, people of God. He didn't call us to be lawyers and be argumentative when we're witnessing to people. That's why the Holy Ghost came and came to stay. The Holy Ghost came to stay in the earth for the operation of the church and for us to be able to get the job done for Jesus and so that we could live also for Jesus. People of God, here is the primary purpose of the church, pointing other people to Jesus, connecting the lost to Jesus. And if you want to know if we're winning or losing as a church, If you want to know if we're winning or losing as saints of God, just see if anybody's coming to Jesus. Mm. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You see, the steam of the locomotive does not exist to toot the whistle. Its purpose is to power the engine and to move that train down the tracks. So too is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It is not given to people for people to feel Holy Ghost goosebumps, emotional highs, or warm fuzzy feelings. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, comes upon people in order that the message and the good news of the gospel might be moved throughout this world. And then he goes on to say, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Jesus didn't say you will witness. He said you'll be witnesses. People of God, listen to me. Things will happen in a naturally supernatural way in and through you. So much so that we will witness the reality of what Jesus came to do. In the C portion of verse 8 says, But in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now here's where I'm getting personal. 
people of God. When was the last time you had dinner with a lost couple or spent an evening with a lost couple at a sporting event? I'm just asking you, people of God, to invest some time this year in cultivating a relationship with people that are lost. And over those 12, over these next 12 months in serving them, ministering to them, caring for them, loving them, and showing them Jesus. And we want to get back to the basics. That's one of the things that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to start proclaiming the resurrection and the good news of the gospel. Because all of us are Holy Ghost-filled saints of God, are we not? It should be. Your mindset, it should be your responsibility. It is your assignment to reach out to those that are without Jesus. We should be investing our lives in the lives of people who need Jesus, people of God. That's the basics. To me, that's Christianity 101. So people of God, I'm asking you this year to join me in getting back to the basics. In Ezekiel, chapter 37, verse 4. After the Spirit of the Lord carried the prophet Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones, the Spirit of the Lord told Ezekiel to preach to those bones. And when Ezekiel preached, the Bible tells me that there was a great noise as the bones started to reconnect. But even in all of that supernatural movement and manifestation, Ezekiel realized something. He realized that although his preaching had produced a commotion, there was no creation. Because those bones were yet dead, people of God. So God then told Ezekiel, he told him to prophesy to the wind. He told him to prophesy to the Ruach. Ruach is the Greek word that means wind. It is the Spirit of God. And so it was Ezekiel's assignment to no longer prophesy to the people, but to intercede in the Spirit on behalf of the people, people of God. That's what we're going to need to start doing, interceding on behalf of of those around us, interceding for those in our communities, interceding for those in our families, interceding for your co-workers, just interceding for people. So after God had told Ezekiel to, to intercede in the spirit on behalf of the people, what happened? What do you think happened? Well, something supernatural happened. Those bones began to come to life. Those rattling bones ultimately became a mighty army when creation replaced commotion. We've got to learn here within the church, hallelujah, to allow creation to replace complaining. Well, this isn't happening, and I don't know why they won't do this or why they won't do that. We should be doing less of that and more of this and all of those kinds of things. Just stop complaining and start preaching creation, people of God. The same thing happened in the book of Acts. 120 believers in an upper room were wondering 
what to do and where they were going to go. When all of a sudden the Bible says that a mighty rushing wind came in and filled the whole room where they were sitting. And however, those dry bones, they became living witnesses who turned the world upside down for Jesus. And guess what? This world has marveled ever since. It's only when we get back to basics, people of God, and we start turning the world upside down for Jesus, that things are going to change in this church, in our communities, on your job, in your family, in your finances, and in your bodies. Are you willing to join with me for the tw next 12 months in making resurrection power the priority for everybody you come in contact with? Well, it starts when you leave this room. It starts when you leave this building. It starts when you walk outside those doors. Tell somebody that God loves them. Share the good news of the gospel with all that you come in contact with. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search RWOLFC in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events.